So we look at innovation from, from two standpoints. One is we look at things that are accelerating innovation, where we know that it's something that the market wants. Maybe the customer's experiencing it in another industry. And so it's something that they would want to also apply in their insurance. And that would be sort of our accelerating innovation. And then we also have our incubating innovation. And so that's where we maybe have a new concept, a new idea that is yet to be proven. And our team will come in and be able to test that out, create a proof of concept or a pilot, get it out to the market and see if there's a positive response from people and then bring that into the organization. Welcome to the Tearsheet Podcast. I'm Zach Miller. We've interviewed quite a few large incumbent financial firms here on the podcast about their innovation programs. They may be structured differently with different activities, metrics, and incentives, and people in charge, but they all generally have one thing in common, an attempt to combine the best internal and external resources to improve their evolving customer experience. That's true at Aflac as well. The firm's VP of U.S. Innovation, Keith Farley, joins us on the podcast today to talk about how the insurer defines innovation and how the structure of the program helps them achieve their objectives. We discuss the Hatch Lab that the company runs and how its relationships with local universities contribute to their innovation program. Lastly, Affleck has a corporate venture arm, and we talk about its activities and the type of companies it invests in. Keith Farley is my guest today on the Tearsheet Podcast. Before we jump into the podcast, we're winding up submissions for our Tearsheet Innovation Program Awards. We're looking to hear about the best and most creative innovation programs that are more than just innovation theater. Does your organization have a good story to tell? Head on over to our website and click on the awards button to let us know. Well, first of all, thanks for having me, Zach. I'm happy to be a part of this podcast. And my name is Keith Farley, and I am the Vice President of Innovation for Aflac. So what that means is I lead a team of individuals that are working on using digital and technology to improve the customer experience for our policyholders. So though we do cover insurance, it isn't core to Tearsheet's coverage. Um, for, for our listeners that may not be as familiar with Aflac, can you tell us a little bit about the company, sort of its size and its reach? Yeah, so Aflac uh, was founded in 1955 and is the leader in supplemental health insurance for both the U.S. and Japan. And what that means is Aflac is there to help policyholders um, when they've had an illness or an injury um, and we'll pay the money directly into the policyholder for them to do what they see fit with the money to help them um, with either the accident or the illness. So where we differ from health insurance is that health insurance usually pays the doctors and hospitals, whereas Aflac directs the money um, right to the policyholder for them to use it in their time of need. Um, and, and so I guess every organization defines innovation differently. Um, how does Aflac define innovation? Um, and I guess you know, however you define it, I guess that impacts the nature of your innovation program. So can we talk about that sort of connection there? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. So we look at innovation from, from two standpoints. One is we look at things that are accelerating innovation, where we know that it's something that the market wants. Maybe the customer's experiencing it in another industry. And so it's something that they would want to also apply in their insurance. And that would be sort of our accelerating innovation. And then we also have our incubating innovation. And so that's where we maybe have a new concept, a new idea that is yet to be proven, and our team will come in and be able to test that out, create a proof of concept or a pilot, get it out to the market, and see if there's a positive response from people, and then bring that into the organization. Understood. And I guess, are there, are there metrics that the organization has to measure um, whether you're doing a good job innovating? Yeah, there are. So if, if it's something that goes live into production, then we can obviously look at you know, whether it's a, if it's an app, you can look at downloads. If it's a robot that we're using, you can look at how much work the robot's able to take on. 
you know, all of those types of KPIs that would be directly tied to something that goes in product, into production. But what else is interesting is the things that don't go into production and how do you measure the success of, of the learnings that you decided not to apply. And so, you know, we work as an organization to, to get the company more used to taking risk around trying new ideas and, and kind of doing some more R&D and incubation. And that's where, you know, we found new KPIs in terms of, you know, what we've learned and what we've been able to save the company or the customer in terms of an experience that may not have worked out in the end, um, as well as, you know, hopefully we have more of those that do work out and that uh, there's a customer impact that can be measured as well. Right. I guess and making product decisions is just as much determining what you don't do as what you do do. Um, I'm just curious, you know, maybe this takes us a little bit off, you know, path in, in our conversation, but I'm curious um, as a professional, how did you get to an innovation role? What was, what was your career path? Yeah, so I actually started off in different marketing roles and working, you know, very closely with the voice of the customer and the types of things, both um, at Aflac as well as at, at previous employers. And then from a marketing role, uh, moved into a digital transformation role as Aflac, you know, realized the importance of digital and how it could change our core business. Um, we established a team that was working on transforming the company. And so I was um, selected to join that team. And that was sort of uh, a key pivotal change in my background in terms of moving out of marketing and moving into innovation and technology. But I think what's also happened just at a larger scale is, you know, every role in every company is moving toward technology and, and you're seeing more and more push as consumers demand, you know, solutions that are, that are easy and that are at their fingertips. So I, I in some sense, I think that uh, it was something that we're all sort of naturally going towards is that every role is moving into a technology role. But for me, that's how it came about was through the marketing lens. So I'm curious, given, given you, the fact that your background is in marketing and you approach the world through the marketing lens. Um, do you look to, I'm just trying to couch this in a particular way. Do you look to the insurance industry for, for, for inspiration and innovation or does Affleck look like across all different industries, like for inspiration? Yeah, I would say we probably spend more time looking across different industries and, you know, a customer experience that someone has with one product in one industry is then applied across the board. And I'll give you an example of that. Great. You know, when the, when the Domino's pizza tracker came out and you could watch your pizza from, you know, order through cooking all the way through delivery and every step in the process, we looked at that and said as a team, okay, how could we create something like that for our customers? Because obviously it was, it was a hit and something that people liked. So we actually, we had a meeting where we ordered a Domino's pizza and we, we tracked it and watched it come, come through. And then the whole time while we were waiting on it, we were whiteboarding what we could do. And that led into our claims tracker, where as soon as you file a claim now, you can go online via your desktop or via your phone and track your claim at every stage of its process to see where it is. So, you know, that would be an inspiration that we took directly from the food services industry. And, and usually when we're looking at inspiration for innovation, it's refreshing to think outside of insurance and, you know, kind of look in the world around us to what consumers are already experiencing. That makes a lot of sense. And I guess now if we, if we dive a little bit deeper into the AFLAC um, innovation program, um, what are the different components of the program? Like uh, how, how do you have it set up where you're sort of harnessing best of you know, breed resources? Yeah, so we, we have a mixture of both some internal resources that we brought to create the team as well as bring in some, some external resources and created the Hatch Innovation Lab. We've divided that into two different efforts. So as I was speaking about a little bit earlier, there's our acceleration projects, which is something that we, we know that we need and we need to get it quickly. And so our team is, is sequestered in a way that we don't, we don't have to worry about the BAU and all of the different businesses, usual things going on. 
we can take a solution and quickly bring it to life because we don't have the distraction of a running current day system. So that would be something like our, our mobile app. You know, needing a mobile app was not something that was a shock that, you know, should we try this? Will it work? We knew people wanted it and we knew that people would want it quickly. So when we developed our mobile app for claims, that went on the acceleration side where we said, hey, this is just a heads down project. Let's get this done. Let's get this delivered so they can get on the market. There wasn't a whole lot of risk in terms of would customers want it. We already kind of knew the answer to the question that people were wanting it. And so we, we, we created it. We put it in the App Store and in the Google Play Store. Didn't do any advertising on it because um, we, we felt that people were already looking for it. And, and sure enough, that was the case through the amount of downloads that we saw with no kind of promotion. It told us that that's something our customers already wanted. And it was just a matter of our team accelerating that into existence. But on the other side of the coin, we have um, you know, more of our incubation side where this is a solution that maybe we're working with a startup. Maybe it's something that we've created internally or the one of our existing partners that we think that there's a solution that our customers would want, but it's unproven and we're not sure. And so we'll put that in the incubation side. That side has a high tolerance for failure and for trying new things um, and, and, and delivering the learning back to the organization. So, you know, looking at things in that two way, we can have a, an idea come across and say, okay, is this an acceleration where it's low risk and we just need it quickly? Or is this an incubation where it's high risk, but we want to get the answer? And in some cases, us doing those incubations can save the larger organization from investing time and money and even the emotional capital into a project that we can quickly prove out, you know, six to eight weeks later why it would or wouldn't work with our customer base. So that's how we divide innovation into two different streams. That's an interesting setup. Um, I'm going to ask, I guess, a follow-up question to that. Um, on the um, acceleration side, what, what kind of um, resources do you pull from internally, I guess? Who, who gets to sit and work on those types of projects? How do you have that structured? Yeah, it's a good question. So it's a little bit hybrid in the sense that we do have an innovation team that that's all that they do every day is these projects, whether it's incubation or acceleration. But then for whatever the business area that we're working with, whether it's claims, whether it's uh, you know, our distribution force, whether it's our payments area, we'll grab subject matter experts from those areas and make them part of the innovation team for the, for the life of the project, right? And that's for two reasons. One is to give them exposure into a different speed of work and some different perspectives on how things are done but two, to make sure that when the solution's delivered, we have a shepherd that can take it back into the organization, have pride of ownership in, in creating it, and make sure that it, it sticks. Um, not to mention, the whole time we're developing it, we have an expert right beside us that understands the systems and the processes and can help us. So whether they're on the IT side or whether they're on the business side, we'll usually sequester resources in while we're doing a project in their area. That makes sense. And, and looking over to the incubation side, I guess, how do you determine which startups to populate there? Is there a need or an idea that you know germinates first and then you go out and, and find it or you meet talent and you decide to, to partner? I guess, what, what can you take us through that process? Yeah, so we have an Aflac Ventures team that is uh, a separate team from ours um, that's currently looking for different startup opportunities and investment opportunities for Aflac to make in new businesses that might have a solution that we could use either in the US or Japan. And so my team will work very closely with that team as they've identified different partners that they think might have something unique that we could use. Uh, my team will come in and work with that partner to create a proof of concept and to, to get that in the market to see if it makes sense for us. And then if so, we can take that and either operationalize it back to the organization on a large scale 
or if it's something that wasn't successful and the timing wasn't right or the customer didn't want it right now, you know, we can, we can put that to the side and say this is maybe a good idea, but not good for right now. And so that, that team, the Aflac Ventures team, is constantly working with, you know, across the globe, everywhere from domestically in Silicon Valley to, you know, all the way across the world, including over in Tokyo, um, looking at different companies with different ideas and startups so that we can maintain that culture as a, you know, as a 64-year-old company, we can still have the, the agility and the open thought that a new startup would have. That's interesting. So the, so the investment arm almost functions as, as business finders uh, out in the marketplace. What, what is the business, the, the, the venture fund, the corporate venture fund, what is their mandate? Are, are they looking um, to, inv- I guess the options are, well, there, there are many options, but to invest in companies that will eventually, you know, work to, to integrate and, and launch products. Are they looking purely on a, on a ROI perspective? Like wh- how do you guys think about the corporate investing? Yeah, so so their mandate obviously is an investment mandate, right? And so they have an ROI that they're they're going after. But you know, I'd say the secondary view that they have is if this is something that's with already within our space or is adjacent to our space, obviously that's going to make a lot more sense for us because then not only can we be an investor in the company, but potentially a user of their products, which obviously helps them and helps the investment itself. So you know, in, in most cases, we're looking for companies that are either you know within the industry or right on the edges adjacent to the industry, even folks that might be disruptors to the industry and saying, listen, can we work with them? Can we place a bet with those folks as well as can we offer them an expertise um, within the industry that might help them advance their model as well? So can you talk a little bit about some of the investments the, the, the fund has made? So I'm not at liberty to discuss the investments. It probably need to be someone from that Affleck Ventures team. Mm-hmm. Um, we work with a lot of our partner companies, but I'm not sure the agreements in terms of which ones we can disclose and which ones we can't. That would be up to the Ventures team. Okay. Can you give an example of the type of company um, that has received investment from Affleck? Yeah. So one of the companies that we've talked about you know, um, previously in terms of an investment that we've made is a company that allows you to um, take a selfie and get an underwriting insurance quote. Um, just from the selfie, right? Because in the selfie, it can, it can determine, um, you know, with, with pretty good accuracy, age, gender, smoker, non-smoker, BMI, things like that. So there's a company that we're, we're working with there to say, hey, is that a thing that could change how insurance is bought and or underwritten? Obviously, there's tons of questions around that mm-hmm. uh, that come up, but we just want to make sure that we're there to be asking those questions and uh, to, you know, to hear those answers and understand how this could change the industry. Okay, so... so um... You're the head of U.S. innovation. Um, you're also active in Japan. I assume, do you have a colleague uh, overseas as well that does something similar? We do, yep. So there's an innovation team in, uh, in Japan as well in the Tokyo office. And are the markets, is there any, um, I guess, sharing or, or are the markets too distinct where like you're really totally separate? Like, is there interaction between the two groups is, and, and I guess, you know, does, uh, does intellectual property travel overseas? Yeah, in some categories, there'd be places where something that we learn over here could be applied over there or something they'll learn over here could be applied um, here in the States. And that might be something like our robotics process automation, mm. which is, you know, automating um, work across the enterprise. And, you know, a lot of the things that can be automated in Japan can also be automated in the States. And the learnings of even how you would govern a program like that and set it up and best practices. So we'll share at times like that. When it comes into some consumer preferences or product specific things, the markets and the products are just different enough that 
you know, there may not be as much sharing back and forth just because of the relevance, but right. we do try to find the ones that say, hey, listen, no matter, you know, which side of the globe you're working on, this is sort of a universal uh, accepted solution. And we always want to know, you know, what they're finding that's working. And of course, they want to know what we're finding that's working. Okay, that makes sense. Um, and where is the Hatch Lab located, I guess, geographically? Yeah, so the Hatch Lab has two different locations. It is both in Columbus, Georgia, which is Aflac's worldwide headquarters um, and where we were founded, and then also in Atlanta, Georgia, which is about an hour and a half north um, of Columbus. And the reason for that is a little bit of a different um, profile in terms of the type of folks that we can um, attract into the lab. We've got you know, plenty of folks that we have in the Columbus area that are very familiar with the Aflac brand and, and tons of talent there to deliver. But we also wanted to have a major metro market um, and access to even a different university system with, with Georgia Tech and some of the others there. So we've got kind of our Metro Market Innovation Lab, and then we've got one that sits right beside the business, making sure that you know everything we do is aligned directly to Aflac's goals and Aflac's customers, and we don't go too far off the reservation in terms of relevance um, you know, in, in another metro city. Sure, and, and Atlanta definitely has a, a reputation of also being like a banking software hub. Um, financial services processing, you know, with a lot of core skills there. Um, but it's not, I wouldn't necessarily describe it as a fintech hub. Does, does that color, I guess, some of the innovation work or I guess, how does it color your innovation work being located sort of outside yeah, of so or San Francisco? Yeah. So I'm, I'd also be remiss to, to leave out the fact that we do have an operation in both Charlotte, North Carolina, um, where we have an innovation hub there as well that's really part of our corporate ventures team, mm-hmm. who, again, we, we partner with very closely, as well in Silicon Valley um, as part of the plug-and-play accelerator. Aflac has a presence there. So we have you know, access and a toe in the water with, with California, um, as well as the, the financial hub there in Charlotte, and then sort of the, the hometown hub here in Atlanta as well. So can we talk about a little bit of the local ecosystem? And Lynn, I know you have some relationships with universities. Can you just talk about, you know, at a high level, um, what you're looking to accomplish uh, through those types of relationships? Yeah, so I think, you know, locally, um, both in Columbus as well as in Atlanta, you know, we've got relationships with the universities, folks from Columbus State University, which is our, our local hometown college that we've got there. Mm-hmm. Um, as well as Auburn University, which is about 45 minutes away from Columbus, and then even uh, University of Texas at Arlington. The other thing that we, we have, you know, you start to move to Atlanta, you've got Emory, you've got Georgia Tech, but then you also have uh, an incubation, um, you know, ecosystem of companies, everyone from the Delta Airlines to the Home Depots to the Chick-fil-A's, the Coca-Cola's, um, you know, lots of different folks that, again, are, are innovating outside of our category, but it does provide a great backdrop for us to, to share ideas, have conversations, participate in different forums together with some of these other major brands that are investing in innovation to make sure that you know, everything that they're doing in, in their roles and in their world with their customers, we recognize that it's the exact same customer. So the person who flies on an airplane while drinking a soft drink at a fast food restaurant is also the person that could be purchasing, selling, or, or um, you know, a business that's offering Aflac to their employees. And so we know that those expectations that you have at one brand, you know, transfer across the other. So I think we also enjoy, uh, you know, being part of that, that ecosystem in Atlanta. As you move into Charlotte, obviously, now you get, you know, heavier into the banking ecosystem and, and the connectivity to the fintech world there. And then as you keep going west over to Silicon Valley and the operation we've got there, you obviously have with the plug and play accelerator, tons of startups in the same area 
um, all trying to trying to chase down different ideas that they've got. And it's a real electrifying experience for us to be a part of that and see, you know, sort of the speed at which these these thoughts come to life and these projects can happen. And that's, uh, you know, an inspiration for us to say, okay, which one of these folks and which of these folks can we work with to bring something to life, you know, for our customers. Um, yeah, that must be electrifying and interesting. Um, I guess, you know, we're getting to the, the end of the conversation. I'm curious, and you mentioned a couple of technologies in the course of our discussion, um, RPA being one of them um, as sort of, you know, impactful to the business. Can, can you talk a little bit at, um, at the trend level, I guess, of what's, what's kind of happening in, in insurance and some of the trends that maybe Aflac's trying to tap into as you guys look out into the, the future? Yeah, I would say from from our standpoint, you know, something that differentiates Aflac is the speed at which we pay claims. So a few years ago, we came out with one day pay, where if a customer submits their paperwork today with all the information we need, um, or even better than paperwork, right, their digital version of, of, of their um, accident or their um, illness or their injury, mm-hmm. um, we'll be able to process that claim and pay it tomorrow, right? So to, to take in claims today and pay them out tomorrow obviously takes a lot of technology, um, but it also takes a lot of self-service ability from the consumer. And what we found is that more and more consumers want to be able to serve themselves. They're comfortable doing it, um, you know, on their phones or other devices and don't necessarily want to talk to, to a human to do some of their transactions, especially for very transactional things. So, you know, I think that we have a lean towards self-service for those that want it. But then at the same time, we recognize that the products we sell uh, when people use our products, it's because something bad has happened to them or, or a loved one. And sometimes they do want that human touch and they do want to speak to a person on the line to walk through a conversation and understand, you know, what their options are. So what we've done is, you know, while we try to increase self-service on one hand, that also frees up our, our folks to have those, those deep and meaningful conversations to show the empathy and to build a relationship with the person on the line who Again, when you, when you call us, it's usually because you've had a pretty bad day. So if you do want to call us and do want to talk to human, we want to make sure we're there with the time to listen and help you out. But if you don't want to call us, we also want to give you the option to handle it yourself you know, via your device um, at, at the speed that you want to do it. Yeah, I don't want to call out an institution by name, but we, we wrote recently about an incident when the Challenger banks where somebody had all their money stolen from their account and uh, got sort of caught in a loop within the phone tree and... Uh, just had a terrible experience and just wanted somebody to listen. And uh, there, there wasn't really anyone to speak to at the end of the line. So I, I think that's definitely, uh, definitely important. Uh, Keith, it's been wonderful talking to you. I really enjoyed learning about Aflac and uh, thanks for joining us on the Tearsheet podcast today. Thanks for the opportunity, Zach. I appreciate it.